Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Smurf Neblin race. This is part of our race overview series where we go over all the possible player races. And right now we're on the uncommon races. Christian, we don't have to have a debate. I, I looked it up. It's Smurf Neblin. That's how you say the name. At least according to D&D. Maybe Pathfinder changed it, but if it's the same. The f official first race we need a pronunciation key for. No, no, incorrect. The first race we officially actually looked up the pronunciation for. <laughs> Smurf Neblin. These guys are... I would love them for to be little blue Smurf people uh, with only one female in the whole group, which is really weird. Have you guys ever thought about that? There's only one woman Smurf. I'm just, I'm just putting it out <laughs> No there. one has ever had that thought before, Caleb. Smurf Neblin. These guys are essentially the drow equivalent to elves. These are the uh, dark gnomes. I, all right, side note. I've never gotten that right. There's a, there's a series of words that go together to compare things, and I've never once gotten it right because we've had dark races before, and I've yet to say, you know, as the drow are to the elves, the, the Smurf Neblin are to the gnomes. That's the way that should have gone. I've never gotten that right in any of our things. In Durgar, nothing. The Smurf Neblin differ from, like, the Durgar and the Drow in that, though they're, like, quote-unquote the dark versions of the other race, so in this case, Gnome, uh, they're not actually, like, evil. They don't really have evil intentions. In fact, they're mostly they're mostly good, kind of. They, they protect the surface world from the horrors that lurk in the underworld. Uh, underworld being, like, cave systems and stuff, not, like, hell. And they have a much stronger connection to the First World, like, the Realm of the Fae, than actual Gnomes, which... Hopefully we'll explain why they have a 24 race point buy. Wow. Well, I think it's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool having these guys kind of like people don't even know they're around, but they're underground protecting the, you know, the overworld. They are adults at 40 years old, middle aged at 100 years old. They're older at 150, venerable at 200, and can live up to 500 years old, which is the exact same as a gnome. They can be as tall as 3 feet 2 inches to 3 feet 8 inches and weigh between 37 and 43 pounds. It's Firf Neblin are fast and observant but relatively weak and emotionally distant. Get a minus 2 strength, a plus 2 dex, a plus 2 wisdom, and a minus 4 charisma. Yikes, that's a very interesting spread. And it's interesting because their stat spread is uh, like opposite of the gnome spread. Like when we saw Durgars, Durgar had like the same really stat spread as dwarves. But they had, like, a higher charisma negative. These people, in the case of Surf Neblin, uh, gnomes have a bonus to charisma and constitution. Uh, Surf Neblin have a negative modifier to charisma, nothing to constitution, and then bonuses and negatives in a bunch of other places. So they are distinctly different than gnomes. Surf Neblin are humanoids with the gnome subtype. They're small creatures. And thus they have a base speed of 20 feet. Boo. They begin play speaking gnome and undercommon. Those with a high intelligence score can choose from the following. Aklo, common, draconic, dwarven, elven, giant, goblin, orc, and terran. Undercommon makes sense. It's like in the name. Another race that doesn't start with common. We don't see this a lot, but, you know, when we do see it, we should really take note of it. I forget if the drow had common, but I think they instead have just, just undercommon. Zverf Neblin have defensive training. Uh, they just always get a plus two dodge bonus to their AC. Well, th that's strong, obviously. Well, good, because they have a minus four charisma and a minus two strength. So good, give me something, buddy, if you're not going to balance that out. But then uh, they, they also have the natural plus two dexterity, meaning they naturally have a plus three to their AC before doing anything. No, wait, they're also small. They have a natural 14 to their AC with just existing. Good. 
They're fortunate, obviously, because they get a plus two racial bonus on all saving throws. Yikes. What? All saving throws? On all saving throws. I'm beginning to see why they didn't care that they gave them a, a total, uh, a net of negative two on their ability scores. Well, why stop there? Because they also have spell resistance equal to <laughs> 11 plus their class level. What are they fighting underground? I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> it's, see, we were, we were wrong the whole time. Cthulhu isn't underwater. He's underground. All right, so do we even need to explain why that's ridiculous? That's all ridiculous. Uh-huh. That's all completely like, what? how do I hurt these things? I can't hit them. I can't cast spells at them. I don't want to talk to them because they have a minus four to their charisma. They're invulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, the net negative two pales in comparison, but let's keep going on. Let's see what else they got. They have plus two racial bonus on stealth checks, and this improves to plus four underground. They get a plus two bonus on craft alchemy checks and perception checks. Christian, this is a perception. Mm, it does say perception. I mean, that's obviously good. Uh, being a small creature, they already have the flat bonus to stealth. Uh, they have a bonus to dexterity. So it's like with one point in stealth, you could like take a 10 and get a 20 at level 1, which is great. Uh, Svurf Neblin gets stone cunning, as dwarves do. I don't know the, the, the flavor behind this, but I personally have never found stone cunning to be particularly useful. I figured the theme is just that they're underground so much. Yeah. Obviously, it's an underground campaign. Stone cunning is like... The perception bonus that you want. Sferf Neblin Magic, they get a plus one to the DC of any illusionist spell they cast. They also get the following spell-like abilities. Uh, constant non-detection. What? So it makes you harder to be seen by divination spells. You have... They constantly have Christian, a level more. three spell. That's that's Christian. a level three spell. Constant on them at all times. Christian, there's more. Why? Once a day, they get blindness, deafness, which is DC 12 plus their charisma modifier. Blur, disguise self... All these are cast for level equal to their class. And all these are incredibly powerful spells. Yikes. <laughs> so the DC is plus their charisma modifier for blindness slash deafness, which is good because they have a negative to their charisma modifier. But still, you just throw that out once a day in hopes of blinding someone and just, you know, destroying their lives permanently until they get removed blindness. Blur is an insanely good defensive tool. Disguise self is an insanely good role-playing and puzzle-solving tool. Whoa. What is going on? Why are they so powerful? These guys are very powerful for dudes I really don't care anything about. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, These people at the core of the earth are super strong. You've never seen them. You've never heard of them. But man, are they powerful. Let's keep going. Maybe your opinion will change. And let's wait till the, till the end of the episode before we give our opinions. Our final opinions, anyway. They get Hatred. Sverf Neblin receive a plus one bonus on attack rolls against humanoid creatures of the reptilian and dwarf subtypes due to their training against these hated foes. Neither super common to fight against, I feel, but I guess that's that's obviously campaign dependent. Yeah, I mean, if you're underground, chances are you're going to get to a dwarf mine if you just stick with sort of normal theming. They get dark visions. They can see perfectly in the dark up to 120 feet. Makes sense. They're underground. And they have low light vision. In addition to their ability to see perfectly in the dark up to, for some reason it says 60 feet, even though it's 120, um, Sverf Neblin have low light vision, allowing them to see twice as far as humans in conditions of dim light. But Christian, what if I don't like some of these, which I kind of like all of them. Uh, I want to change them, right? Uh, I probably would say hatred is something I wouldn't mind getting rid of. There are let's, stone let's, cunning. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but um, let's see what they replace. Well, if for some reason you just really hate having a plus two to all your saving throws, you could throw that right out the window and replace it with healthy. Uh, Sverf Neblin gain a plus four bonus on fortitude saves against disease and poison, including magical diseases. What? Why would I do that? I don't know. Maybe you like your maybe you maybe you built your character and you've actually kind of got good saves, but your fortitude save sucks. This would be a good way to kind of bring it up to par with the rest of them. But it's only against disease and poisons. 
Well, that's true. Like, you're trading a plus two against literally everything to a plus four against these specific types of saves. I hate it. it, it not that's only do I not like it mechanically, I think it's incredibly boring. Like, it's not a meaningful switch out. You're trading, like, one yeah. ability for, like, an incredibly similar ability. Yep. You got Stone Seer. Uh, you get to add plus one to the cast level of any spells with the Earth Descriptor you cast. And you also gain the following spell-like abilities. Non-detection, which is constant. And once a day, Magic Stone, Stone Shape, Stone Tell. Uh, this replaces Sferf Neblin Magic. Um, I like the original version better, but I can see if you're really into the stone thing, then that could be what you want. Stone Shape in particular is probably the strongest one there. Actually, I don't know what Stone Tell does. Let me read super quick. Caleb, edit this so I immediately start talking after I say that. <laughs> I will. Wait, Caleb, this is a level 6 druid spell. It takes 10 minutes to cast. Uh, it can only affect you, but for one minute a level, you can speak with rocks and ask them questions about what they see or what's behind them or what they're covering. If you're in a cave system, that's so powerful. I mean, this is immediately balanced by the fact that we all know that stones are very poor storytellers. <laughs> You're effectively, you know, getting sleep casted on yourself trying to learn this information. And now I really want to roleplay a rock as a DM. <laughs> I want my player to have this just so I could be a rock. I made I made a, a rock person in my Trailblazers campaign that was a throwaway character and ended up very quickly becoming a player favorite character. And he literally had pretty much one line in the whole game, which he just yelled his master's name, which was John. Somehow that became a great thing. So, you, so don't underestimate the power of stones, Christian. They get flavored class options for the Alchemist, the Oracle, and the Ranger. I'm not sure if this is unique, but the Ranger one, you get to add DR1 magic to your animal companion. And each additional time you take it, the DR increases by half to a maximum of 10. Which is quite interesting. Uh, magic is an easy thing to have for enemies to overcome, but for the times that they don't have it, that's a lot of DR. DR is very hard to come by. But to get the maximum, you're spending what? Uh, 18, 19 levels, right? I don't know if it's really going to be that matter that much at that point. They also get a archetype, Deep Bomber. Just a couple of underground flavored things for the bomber. Actually, it doesn't look that powerful. I'm sorry, for the alchemist. But they also get some uh, discoveries. Um, and just as a reminder, these can be taken by anybody, but they're more commonly found amongst Furf Neblin um, alchemists. Darkness Bomb, when the alchemist creates a bomb, he can choose to have it suppress light sources on the target. This extinguishes non-magical light sources carried by the target and dispels magical light sources for one round, level as deeper darkness. Well, that's quite strong. Um, I would expect that to have like a level minimum, but you can get this at level one. Um, and not a lot of things can deal with deeper darkness at level one through like six. And then if you're in a bright area, your natural dark vision will help you overcome your own darkness bomb. Sferf Neblin also like to make glass foot bombs. When the alchemist creates a bomb... He could choose to have it cover the ground in volatile, jagged crystals in addition to its normal effects. These crystals act like caltrops, evaporating to a smelly but harmless gas in 2d6 rounds. Uh, caltrops, they make an attack roll on anyone that steps into their space and deals a little bit of damage to anyone. And slow you down or something. Uh, I actually thought it would be cool if that gas actually did something to you. That would be pretty neat, but okay. <laughs> it's like breathing caltrops. Christian, tell me about their feet, stoic pose. This is a case where I'm okay with a race having one feet, because it's hilarious. Stoic pose. No special prerequisites. You have to be a surf neblin. You can hold yourself as still as a statue, evading detection. By spending five rounds finding a suitable location, you can hold yourself so still that you appear to be a small object, such as a pile of rocks. This allows you to make a stealth check without cover or concealment, as long as you do not move or take any other actions. 
I just love the idea of making a stealth check and literally becoming a pile of rocks. <laughs> I kind of picture it as like you're kind of hiding and you're kind of blending in because they've got this gray skin and uh, they're well defined enough. Like those bombs could be mistaken for rocks if you're not looking closely. They have a piece of equipment called Jolting Dart and it's 100 gold pieces. This alchemically grown crystal dart builds up an electrical charge when thrown. A creature struck by the dart takes normal piercing damage and would be six points of electricity damage. Anyone proficient in darts can use a jolting dart. Once thrown, the dart is destroyed. It's an expensive thing just to do 1d6 extra damage. I mean, that's effectively a weapon enchantment, so you compare that to the shocking cost of shocking ammunition, which I don't know off the top of my head. Me neither, but that's 100 per one. I was just throw money at them. Maybe they'll stop and try to pick it up. It'll be the same effectiveness. <laughs> I mean, if you're a throwing weapon character, getting a f- you can enchant on top of that. Wait, you can enchant jolting darts. So if you're rich, you can just throw people and plink them for a ton of damage. If you're rich, you could also just hire somebody to assassinate them. <laughs> but why when you could throw a bunch of little darts at them? It's so much more fun. Swerf Neblin have a racial spell. Again... This was a spell that's first Verf Neblin, but other races can learn to cast it with GM permission. Uh, this is a level 4 alchemist, druid, uh, sorcerer, wizard spell. Uh, you touch a creature, and for one round a level, that creature could pass through stone, dirt, or any other sort of earth except metal as easily as a fish swims through water, traveling at a speed of 5 feet. If you protect yourself against fire damage, you can also move through lava. This movement leaves behind no tunnel or hole, nor does it create any ripple or other sign of its presence. It requires as much concentration as walking, so the subject can attack or cast spells normally, but cannot charge or run. If you cast a spell, move Earth on an area containing the target that's burrowing, it flings them back 30 feet, stunning it for one round, for with a DC 15 fortitude save to negate. The spell does not give the target the ability to breathe underground, so when passing through solid material, the creature must hold its breath. I love when Paizo has to, like, predict everything that they know their dumb players are going to do, so they have to put some in there. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What if somebody casts Move Earth on them? All right, all right, let's put it in there. <laughs> Allows you to move through a lot of barriers that, you know, the DM puts there so you can't just walk up the stuff and say, Ha, I got it, I win, but now you can do that, unless, he, unless your GM works around this. Well, Christian, that's the Sferf Neblin. I got two questions for you. One, did they carve out their own distinct package here, making them different than every other race? And two, what do you feel about them? Or how do you feel about them better? I think they carved out enough of their niche of themselves. Um, they're pretty unique. And I like I said, I like, what I like the most is that they're not just dark gnomes. Uh, they're more complex than dark gnomes, and they're mechanically very different than dark gnomes, which makes them um, different in their own right. Uh, as for how I feel about them, they're 24 RP. You can't play this race. I would never let anyone play this race without, like, me spending a lot of time thinking of ways to balance it. Because it's just absolutely ridiculous how much free stuff they get. And it's another case where a lot of the free stuff they get I don't like because it's very boring free stuff. It's just a free plus two to all their saving throws. That's that's really boring. It's not very interesting. The the player doesn't do anything to act upon this. There's really no role play to be had with it. It's just boringly powerful. They get a free plus two to their AC. Again, nothing to for the player to do to role play or play that up in any way. It's just obscenely powerful and free. Uh, I'm not a big fan. The only time I think anyone would be playing as Furf Neblin under my GMing would be if I had, like, an entire underground campaign where I'm like, yeah, pull out your Drow Noble characters and your Furf Neblin characters and, you know, everything else. I actually 
Hmm. Yes and no is my answer to the, the question, do they carve out their own space here? The theme that they're hitting, I kind of feel like the dwarves had racial traits and even I think a couple alternate racial traits that you could kind of go with the underground rock theme and they don't seem too much different than gnomes really. Uh, but the part where I say yes, they kind of do is that they are obviously overpowered. I mean, if you're going to pick this or gnome, what's the difference? Well, I'm going to pick this because it's got all this other extra cool stuff. Oh, okay. So, I mean, ugh. I don't see why they need to exist. Um, I think tra- it must be tradition because they date back to D&D, so they, they brought them along. But I find them uninteresting. I found gnomes fairly uninteresting. I find these even more uninteresting. Uh, I think they look dumb and silly, and you all know how kind of a visual person I am. I really don't see why they need to exist. But hey, if you like them, that's good for you. But I, I totally echo literally everything you said, Christian, so I'm not going to repeat that stuff. But I really do agree with everything you said about these guys. Hey, Caleb, of all of all the abilities they have that attribute to their race point cost, which one do you think is the highest? Um, I'm going to guess it's their magic stuff, their, their spellic abilities. Nope. That is actually only two race points. Their highest is a five race point ability. It's not their saving throws. That is only four. Their highest is underground sneak, which is a flat bonus to stealth and perception checks. That <laughs> I think that in itself showcases how bad the race point build system really is. Uh, okay. Like, I don't know in what world anyone's playing where it's like, sneaking is more powerful than a flat plus two to all your saving throws, or your spell resistance 11 plus level, which is only a three. That's only three race points. I guess a rogue's world? But in a rogue's world, everyone has really high perceptions. That's true, it's true. Well, that's it for the Surf Neblin, Christian. I'm happy to move on from these guys. I would be interested, guys, uh, tweet at us or email us if you have uh, any feelings about the Surf Neblin, especially if they're different than what we feel. I'd actually like to hear a different perspective on these guys. Next, we have the Venara. Christian, these are the sort of monkey-like people. Have any uh, interactions with these guys in your games? Uh, literally never. I have never seen anyone play a Venara. I have never played one. I haven't seen the Venara NPC. So I this is going to be like a fresh thing for me. I had I played a game where uh, he was an NPC, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, and that's part of our last three before we get into the bestiary one. So y'all can look forward to that. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at TBlazer Network. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just playing some role-playing games. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can listen to Trailblazers on this very feed. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice, and join us. All right, Christian, you come across an obviously important character to the plot. What do you do? I immediately shoot him in the face. Ugh, Christian.
Hey, Danny. Do you want to play some D&D tonight? Oh, I can't. My parrot's going to have open-heart surgery again. That sucks. Yeah, it's going to be super boring. Hang in there, Danny. She'll pull through. But remember, when you can't play, listen. At Tales from the Lich, we do our best to provide an immersive RPG play session with an ever-expanding library. When you can't play, listen. TalesfromTheLich.com